Welcome to episode 126 of the Animal Addicts podcast. On today's episode, Casey talks about a group who's working on protecting cotton top tamarins in Colombia, and I talk about a cute species of animal making a comeback for the first time in a hundred years in South Australia. We learn about two new interesting marine pics, and about our animal of the week who seems like they come straight out of a comic book. So let's dive into episode 126 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. Welcome to episode 126 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. As always, we are host Allie. And Casey. And today we're going to talk about a whole new batch of super fun animals. But before we get into it, what have you been up to since last I saw you? I went to the safari park with my sister. That sounds fun. I'm jealous. Yes. Did you see the baby? Baby. The tree kangaroo. Yes. <gasps> jealous. That was before they announced it on the news. Before they announced its name. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I try. I couldn't get a picture because it was a little drizzly, and so she was inside, just peeking her head out. And so the pouch inside her bedroom. The mom through the bedroom, and then the baby through the pouch. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, but it was funny that day because I was basically zoo sitting. So my boss was out of town, Mm -hmm. so I was watching the compound for a day. Um, and so I was like, hey to my sister and want to go to safari park and some other stuff um actually i think we went to the bookstore first (laughs) yeah we went to the bookstore first i got some books on there were some field guides yep (laughs) on track Um, on point for you there was one on the physiology of animal respiration (laughs) nerd stuff how how animals breathe uh, kind of was what I mean. There was another one. I can't remember it now. I can't wait for you to have a library and just have all this weird stuff in it. Yeah, I have a lot of weird books. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, we went, we got coffee, and then we went to the safari park. Okay. The wild animal park, but yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, try to remember how we, I think we went up to the walkabout first like we normally do. And it was funny because, like, we walked by the oscillated turkey and it looked like he was strutting his stuff more. Yeah. One day I went there, he was. I was yeah. like, oh, this dude's putting on a dance. Yep. Oh, and I think I saw the baby cloned uh, Shavalsky's horse. Oh, really? Yeah. From the hill, you could see the horses and I could see one really tiny one. Is that new new or is that the one that's months old now? That's the, I, the one that's months old. Okay. Because yeah. that's the one I, I mistook for the feeder, no. I think, then. A while back. Okay. <laughs> Yep. I didn't have uh, my binoculars with me, so. Yeah, I always forget my binoculars. I especially didn't have that time because I wasn't planning. Yeah. Well. And um, let's see, we went on the tram. I'm trying to remember if we saw anything crazy, but not really. No babies on the tram this time. Huh? No babies on the tram this time. Nope. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Oh, I finally saw the new male lion. Okay, nice. Yes, Bo. Is that his name? I didn't think it was Bo. Yeah, it's Bo. Oh. I'm pretty sure it's Bo. I do not remember it being Bo, but oh. okay. <laughs> I think it's Bo. Yeah. Uh, we also went to see the elephants. How was that? Were they actually where you could see them, or were they in the other? Part yeah, of the I could see them. They were just all by the fencing 
um, near their keepers. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's a ways away. But it was funny because like uh, my sister sat down on the bench to rest, and then I was just watching them admiring the elephants, and then. I heard the volunteer talking to some people, and then it turns out that they had a fr- family. They brought up that they had um, family over in France, and then the tor- the volunteer all of a sudden starts talking French. <laughs> Actually, good enough for them to understand. Were they conversing in French? Or- yeah, okay. they were conversing. Wow, yes, okay, like, that's cool. Bravo! I don't know a lick of spri- uh, French, <laughs> um, mainly because I think Bonjour. they're stuck up. Bonjour. Bonjour. Um, Comment allez-vous? Is one way. Ça va? <laughs> I, have no I have problems when I try to speak Spanish sometimes at work because mm-hmm. I took French in high school. Not that I know much French, but it still sticks with you a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll half Spanish and half French in a sentence, <laughs> and I'm like, oh nope, that's French. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, we saw the kangaroos, and it wasn't just the wallabies because last time I went, it was only wallabies. No, I told you they don't have the wallabies anymore. They only have kangaroos um, now. That's where I got mixed up. Yes, no, because I asked okay. her, I was like, I can't tell the difference between the wallabies and the little kangaroos. She's like, well, it's only kangaroos now. Okay, yeah. I got it mixed up. I was, no. and I was even telling my sister that. No, it's only kangaroos. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, so the I lied wallabies, to her. I think went to the zoo or something. I don't know. They, or they went. They went somewhere for a breeding program. I think. Ah. Anyway. But yeah, I I don't remember there being a bench now where the elephants are. When did they add that? I don't think he's been there. When I went there, it was there was no bench. You just had that like eight foot space, right? Mm-hmm. And you just stood and looked at it. So maybe yeah. they added it since then. Maybe. I do not remember a bench because I would have used it. Yep. <laughs> the My one si- day I went. Yeah. My sister uses benches a lot, so I like it. benches. I feel like I should put together a guide of my favorite benches <laughs> at the park where I like to sit and chill. Because uh, oh I use them a lot. Yeah. You already know. Oh, we also went one. to the bonsai garden. Okay. I like yeah. rarely do that. Uh, yeah. It doesn't change, so. Well, like, I don't want, it makes me want to, like, I've always wanted to like a bonsai garden, but, like, I don't feel like I would have the patience no, or the the upkeep of that. Yeah, yeah, the, I wouldn't be able to keep the upkeep. But some of them are really old. Yeah, yeah, they're cool. Mm-hmm. I would have little figures on mine though, for sure. <laughs> I'd have like little mini people. Oh my god! <laughs> I really mm-hmm. want to do those little um. Oh my gosh, those little like in gardens, like little like fairy garden things. They sell mm-hmm. them at craft stores and stuff. I want to do that so my bad. My mom does I think that so stuff. cute. She has like fairy gardens. That and stuff is so stuff. cute. I love it. Also, to yeah. make it very hobbity. Yeah, uh, but like it, some places really upcharge that stuff. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, obviously, because it's like a, it's not a necessity. Obviously, mm. nope. <laughs> so they can. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go to like yeah. Michaels. I don't know if it's really meant for gardens, but they have stuff like that. It yeah. probably is. It's so crafty. Mm-hmm. Oh, I made my sister go into the bats. Oh, okay. Were they actually at front this time? They were visible. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I could, like, see, like, I think the tip of one when yeah. I went. I was like, okay. I well. feel like they made the barrier longer. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I only went in there very briefly because I didn't have a lot of time that day. So, mm-hmm. And it was just so humid, obviously. It's always humid in there. And I was just like, I'm, no. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. And I couldn't really see them. So I was like, this is not worth being in here yep. <laughs> if I can't really see you. But anyway. All right. Well, that's fun. Yep. Oh, but I remember one cool thing was there was a giraffe that was literally a week old. <gasps> what? Yeah. Okay. That is a baby. Yeah. On the tram. Mm-hmm. You have lied to me. And now I need to freaking go. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, 
that she even like turned her mic off and didn't talk when we passed yeah the they're not supposed to talk i think mm-hmm. when they're little babies that's mm-hmm. happened before yep what i want to see the baby giraffe oh my gosh oh, they were cute i don't know how i'm gonna do that in a boot mm-hmm. i mean i did disney but Disney's pretty flat. <laughs> yeah, Safari Park, not so much. Not so flat. Like, nope. I could probably do the tram because there aren't many hills getting down to the tram, and you take the elevator down. Mm-hmm. Um, and the top part's flat. But I'd struggle with the um, with the walkabout area. <laughs> mm. All of that, and that whole hill getting up there yeah. would be a pain. And then, obviously, trying to get up to, like, the elephants and stuff is a bit of a hill. Mm-hmm. Not a big one, but still enough of a challenge for me. Yeah. And even the heart of Africa, which is not called that, but that's what we're calling it forever. Mm-hmm. Um, even that has a little bit of a hill toward like the Okapi area. So I don't know how that would work. I want to go see the animals. And of course, everything at the zoo is a hill that I want to see. All of them are on a hill that mm-hmm. I want to see, except for the axolotl. <laughs> so that's frustrating. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to go. Rent but, a like, cart. Maybe. It'd be so expensive. Can the carts really handle those hills at the zoo? I feel like they. I mean, if they have them there, they. You have feel to like they'd have to. to be able to. Yep. That'd be so expensive. Now going for free isn't, or you know, like getting like you know pizza when I'm there because that's what I can eat. Although if I go to the park, I usually don't buy food there. Now going for free turns into like fifty dollars though. Mm-hmm. I really need one of those little trike things. Yeah. Although I'm afraid of that on a hill. <laughs> I feel like I have to get going and like not stop. Anyway. But yeah, I'm jealous. Okay. Well, that's fun. All right. Well, um, I realize we're getting toward the end of the podcast here. By the way, if you haven't heard already, this is our last month of the podcast ever. So um, uh, also, well, okay. A few things. <laughs> so we only have a few. We have what? Three more episodes? One, three, including this one? No. Three more episodes. Three more episodes after this one. And then, (laughs) I'm like, where are we? Anyway, so three more episodes. um, And then also, probably in like a few months, I will be opening up, it definitely won't be before August, I will be opening up um, our bonus animals and honorable mentions, at least, from Patreon up to the public, so you can go to our Patreon and hear about all the other animals that you didn't hear about that we sometimes reference and you know nothing about them because we didn't talk about them on here. Um, so check out that. And also, I will be trying to edit out cursing for all of our episodes and put those up as we go, but it will take me a while because, you know, part of the whole issue of why we're ending is time. <laughs> anyway, but I realized since we're ending, <laughs> so I was going there, it's like, oh my gosh, I should finish up some of these series that I've been doing ratings on. Um, so I went to Disney Plus. I was like, oh, I'll watch more Supernatural. And I heard a while ago that as they're merging with whoever they're merging with, Hulu or some someone, um, that they're going to be getting rid of some things. Anyway, I go to f- look for Supernatural, and it's not on there. Supernatural, the nature show, not the Winchesters. Anyway, um, and it's not on there. So there are two episodes that now I don't know how I'm going to watch them and rate them. So I was very upset. And then by the time I kept looking for them, I no longer had time to watch <laughs> A documentary so I don't know <laughs> um, I will though be updating that if you go to our website I will continue to update that even if like long after the podcast I'll just keep doing that because that is a public service <laughs> of listing that so anything I watch from now on I will keep updating the website the website should still be going for a long time after the podcast so you can still go look at that and see if things are safe although now it might be harder to find things since Disney wants to be poopy about it mm-hmm. but anyway 
So, but since I couldn't do that, I was looking for other stories and stuff. And I just saw this really cute one. And it's that there are, I don't like the headline, but I guess I'll read it. So the headline is, rarest of rare, two albino egg-laying mammals spotted in Australia. And then echidnas are shy creatures, and even individuals without albinism are rarely seen in the wild. Anyway, they're super cute. So residents of New South Wales, Australia, have spotted two extremely rare albino echidnas in the space of just two weeks. Jeff Hadley found one of the all-white quill-covered creatures on a road in the Bathurst region, according to ABC News. He helped the echidna cross the road safely before reporting the sighting to local council officials who revealed the animal in a social media post on May 1st. Meet Rafi, Bathurst rare albino echidna, Bathurst Regional Council staff wrote on Facebook. We thought he is just too beautiful not to share and particularly rare with only a handful of egg-laying mammals or monotremes ever sighted in Australia because the only other one is a platypus and they're very hard to see apparently. Anyway, so 11 days after the first sighting, Australia's Wildlife Information Rescue and Education Service, WIRES, published images and a video of a second albino short-nosed echidna that appeared to have been hit by a car and sustained minor injuries in New South Wales. This rare albino echidna, nicknamed Mr. Spike, aww, that makes me think of Spike from Buffy, and the hair looks right too because he had like spiked blonde hair. Anyway. Uh, so Mr. Spike was released into Wire's care recently after a suspected motor vehicle collision, Wire's staff wrote in a Facebook post on May 12th. Luckily, he sustained only a few minor grazes and was given the all-clear after a couple of days in care with local Wire's volunteers, who then released him back into the bushland near where he was found. Anyway, it's just so cool that they saw two albino short-beaked echidnas, which, first of all, are... Not something that people see a lot anyway, but then to see two albino ones, which is crazy, in such a short time span is just kind of nutty. And uh, they're just adorable. I wonder if they're from the same family. Anyway. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on into what we want to talk about today. So, Casey, what did you want to talk about? So, I'm going to talk about an organization called Proyecto Titi and some of its conservation success recently. Proyecto Titi. Yes. I like the Titi. T-T-T part. I'll say that. P-T-T is what I'm going to call it. Okay, go on. Okay, so uh, Proyecto Titi specifically works to protect a species of monkey called the cotton top tamarinds. Okay. Yep. So um, back when they started in 1987, they did a survey, and they found something very disturbing Uh um, in Colombia. And they found that only 10% of the community was able to correctly identify the tiny primates they are trying to protect. So they have been as a, they one big thing that they are doing is public awareness. So they've done that through a multifaceted approach, including school programs, community events, press coverage, social media engagements, and various other opportunities to try to engage the public to spread awareness of the primates. So it was a problem that they were like hunting them and stuff because they didn't realize they were protected. That's part of the problem, and just general not lack of knowledge about them. Oh, okay. They're very cute. They yeah. have crazy hair. Yes. They kind of look like a lion to me. It has like a mane. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And um, so there is some hope uh, showing for um, some public awareness because recently uh, there was a survey done and they, uh, participants were actually sele- asked to select three animals that they would like to see as mascots for a soccer team, which basically is very ingrained in Colombian well, culture because yeah. soccer is life. 
I feel like South America in general, (laughs) soccer's a huge thing, which is football for everyone but us. (laughs) Yeah. And one of the promising signs, according to Proyecto Titi, is the cotton top tamarins were secured in one of the top spots, and they ranked fifth among the animals that were selected. Now I want to know who won. (laughs) Anyway, but okay. That would be a tough mascot to simplify that. Yeah. I've seen the... (laughs) There is a costume for them. Oh, no. You have to see it. Oh my gosh. Look at <laughs> Do you have it? Do I have them. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway. Um mostly this one. He looks like an 80s rock star. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah. Um, even more encouraging is the fact that when participants were asked to identify an endangered species of Colombia, cotton top tamarins ranked third, um, which has shown that their public awareness um, programs have been working, and that is some good signs for hopefully the future to protect the cotton top tamarins. All right. Yep. And a reason that I wanted to bring this up is that actually Proyecto Titi is one of the organizations that Wild Wonders works with. Oh, okay. Yeah. They started working with them after um, they had a cotton top tamarind rescue named Mozart. Okay. That is an appropriate name yeah. <laughs> for this animal. <laughs> Whoever named him, good job. That yeah. was appropriate. <laughs> anyway, they're interesting looking. Also, markings on their face are cool, too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they're yep. cool looking. They're one of the world's smallest monkeys. How big are they? So, only about yay big. Oh, okay. I'm not going to pull that out for that. Okay, but small. They're pretty little. they're very small. Okay. That's adorable. Mm -hmm. So, yay. Proyecto Titi. (laughs) Proyecto Titi. Proyecto. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Proyecto Titi. Nope. Proyecto Titi. I'm adding an extra syllable. (laughs) Proyecto Titi. Okay, that's fun. Anyway. Mm -hmm. All right, well, I have another story, which is my actual story. So this is from Live Science, and I will obviously be putting it on the website. And the headline is, Mini kangaroos on steroids make comeback in South Australia after disappearing for 100 years. And the byline, I think it's called, (laughs) um, is, The tiny marsupials have a penchant for peanut butter, which researchers have used to help them monitor and conduct health checks on the population. So... Adorable marsupials that look like mini kangaroos on steroids are bouncing back in southern Australia after disappearing from the region for more than 100 years. Brush-tailed bentongs, Bentongia penicillata, I believe, also known as Yalgiri in the language of the local Narunga people, are energetic creatures that once hopped and darted across much of the Australian mainland, Over the last few centuries, their numbers have dwindled due to predation by foxes and feral cats, as well as habitat loss. Now only a few thousand survive in pockets of Western Australia, in sanctuaries and on islands, but recently the mini marsupials have made a comeback in the south after being reintroduced by conservationists. They're like a little ankle-sized kangaroo, a mini kangaroo on steroids if you like, Derek Sandow, an ecologist with the Northern and York Landscape Board in South Australia, told the French news agency AFP, they've got really powerful hind legs, they carry their young in their pouch, like a kangaroo does, but they're only a kilo and a half, which is three pounds. Sando is part of a team of wildlife researchers that have tagged and reintroduced 120 brush-tailed bentongs to the York Peninsula near Adelaide, since August 2021, in the hope that the population might recover. The new arrivals were translocated 
from nearby Wedge Island and from Upper Warren region of Western Australia, and the latest release was coordinated with Noongar and Narunga traditional owners, according to WWF Australia. On the southern York Peninsula, we've actually got geography on our side, Sando told ABC Radio Adelaide. We've got a foot-shaped peninsula, ocean on three sides. We've built a predator management fence across the ankle, I guess that's of the foot-shaped, just to slow the movement of foxes and cats, but we're operating in a working landscape. So there's towns and farms, and we're trying to demonstrate that with a reduction of these threats, we can actually bring back these really vulnerable native species. Recent monitoring shows that the tiny furry animals are thriving on the peninsula. The researchers trapped 85 brush-tailed bentongs and found that 40% were untagged, meaning that they had been born since the reintroduction. Almost all of the females they caught had young in their pouches. We're getting great results, Sando told ABC Radio Adelaide. Um, And then it goes on to say that bush-tailed bentongs may be cute, but they are merciless when it comes to their young. And it continues on telling you how basically they will toss their young when a predator's attacking them, just like all macropods seem to do. So yay, happy to have a win for conservation. All right, well, that's going to bring us to our picks. And it was my turn to pick this week. And I chose, uh, not going to lie, this was part of my screw up (laughs) from last month. Um, So I made it for favorite marine animal not already covered on the podcast. So Casey, who is your choice? I went with the blue blubber jellyfish. Fun fact. He definitely wrote on our little notes here, blue blubber and not jellyfish. So that was confusing. Anyway, tell us oh, about did the... I? Mine says blue blubber too. Because I fixed it. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to know what this is. Anyway, all right, continue on. Yes, so these guys are typically found around the Indian Oceans as well as the Atlantic. More subtropical waters, warmer regions are definitely not something that's found in the poles. But I picked them because it's one of the few instances where I think something's very cute. Because okay. I think they're cute, especially if you look at how they swim, because they like look like little cauliflowers, and then they pulsate really quickly. They are kind of, they look like a little, like, um, shuttle to me. A little shuttle? <laughs> like the spacecraft ones when they come back down, like the pod things that come back down to Earth, you know? Anyway. <laughs> I could kind of see that, I guess. Uh, but they're very small. They're... Not like tiny, tiny, but they're small. They're only about 35 centimeters long. I was ready today. Oh, that's pretty small. That's a little less than 14 inches. Yep. So from their, what is it called? Their, not Ten. crown. Bell. Bell, thank you. To their tentacly things at the end. That's pretty small, yeah. yeah. Okay, anyway. Yes. But the name Blue Blubber can be a bit of a misnomer because they're not always blue. Oh, okay. So they can be a near purple color or even burgundy. Oh, so they come in a wide range of colors. So uh, one very cool thing about the blue blubbers is how they eat because they don't have traditional mouths like some other jellyfish do. Okay. And instead, along their eight stinging tentacles, they they which they use to capture their food, just like any other kind of jellyfish. Yeah. Along those tentacles contains very various openings that they use to filter their food through into their stomachs. Ew. Are they able to do that, like, the whole piece of food goes in it, or do they have to break it up? I would say the whole piece of food, because it's kind of like filter feeding a little bit. Okay. They they mainly feed on little tiny zooplankton. I mean, I'm guessing this is something they eat right here on this picture. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, which is not tiny. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's tiny to us. I mean, if that thing it's still small, it's like a fifth of the size of that lengthwise. <laughs> so if it was 35 math, seven, that's not that small. That's not tiny. It's small. Mm -hmm. It's not tiny. Yeah. Anyway, continue on. <laughs> Anyways, so they mainly feed on zooplankton, which is little tiny microscopic free floating right, organisms. Right, those little guys, yeah. That, but they will occasionally consume small fish and some crustaceans as well. And they capture that through stinging you, stinging their prey to death, which is basically through little things called nematocysts, which are tiny cells. They have a little projectile that shoots out as soon as you touch it. Oh, boy. Is that how yeah. all jellyfish work? Is yes. Nematocysts? Yes. Remember that one too. Mm -hmm. Nematocysts. And the nidocytes. A, a, I think apostate. <laughs> apostate? It's the, the, the camouflage, not camouflage. Dang it. Coloration. Uh, That's the one I'm trying to learn. Uh, a post somatic? There you go. Yay, coloration. Okay, continue on. I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> so, yeah, and then once it gets stung to death, it then goes in through this little tiny. Holes? Open holes in its arms, which I find kind of very interesting. That's weird. Yes. But that is not the only way that it gets its nutrients. Okay. Because these guys live with symbiotic algae. Okay. Yes. So they actually like to, so they like sunlight because the algae needs that sunlight in order to photosynthesize. Okay. And then as it photosynthesizes, it's, it's going to give some of the sugars it produces back to the jellyfish. Hmm. Okay. As an example of mutualism because... The jellyfish gets some nutrients, and then the algae has the benefit of getting its own free transport. Oh, that's cool. All yeah. right. Nice. Mm -hmm. So, in that case, both benefit, so it's a mutualistic relationship between the two. Right. Kind of like how uh, corals have their own symbiotic algae living within them. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. And scientists think that the, um, the algae that they live with actually may be the responsible for what, co what colors these guys have. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they pick up different type of algae and then that. Yes, so determines. there's various different species of blue blubbers. And as I mentioned, they're not all blue. Okay. And also the name blue blubber is very fun to say. I mean, they're kind of, I guess they look a little chubbier than most mm -hmm. yes, jellyfish. They're chunky jellies. They're just stout. <laughs> yeah, they're cute. I mean, they are kind of cute. It mm -hmm. looks like a space thing to me. I'm sorry, <laughs> it just does. Yeah, Oh, another really cool thing about these guys is how um, they kind of have two different ways they can reproduce sexually. Okay. So, um, one way is just parthenogenesis. Typical... No. Parthenogenesis. <laughs> no, not that way. Okay. These guys can't do that. Okay. So, um, so there's the typical spawning where males will release the sperm into the water, and then the females also release their eggs, and eventually, hopefully, Lady Luck, uh, hits right, and then the two meet and form a baby. Right. Okay. The other way is a little bit differently because the sperm can be released by the male, which then can swim into the female's stomach, and then it fertilizes her eggs. That's weird. Yeah, but it's really cool. They're really good swimmers. Yeah, they're actually very, um, they are not like the moon jellies. They actually propulse a lot, mm -hmm. and so they're actually active swimmers. They don't have eyes like some of the box jellies do, so they can detect light and dark, but... Otherwise, they kind of just try to orient themselves, but don't know where they're going. <laughs> just moving around blindly. Yeah, basically. Now, you're like, please go this way. <laughs> now I'm thinking of like Ratatouille. 
<laughs> and they'll just like pull them and be like, nope, go this way. Yep. <laughs> anyway. Yep. But unfortunately, these jellies don't live very long because in the wild, their life spends out six to nine months. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then um, in human care, they might live to be a year. Oh, yeah, that's so sad. Live quick and die young, unfortunately, for these guys. So they have, so various species have not been assessed by the IUCN red list because mm-hmm. honestly, jellyfish are kind of going out of control with climate change. Oh, oh dear. Okay. Yeah, because they're they have such rapid life cycles that they can quickly outcompete uh, fish and other Ooh. animals for space okay. and okay. resources. Uh, but they do face a variety of predators like sea turtles, tuna, sunfish, um, and spiny dogfish. But otherwise, they seem to be doing pretty well. But um, they are a big threat for these guys is actually humans because they are considered a delicacy in several Asian um, dishes. No, don't yeah. do it. Don't do it. I would not want to eat that. That does not look appetizing at all. It's weird because, like, jellies are, like, 90% water. Yeah. Apparently, also, I don't know why. I guess that's why it made me think of it. I guess PETA put out an ad, like, if you wouldn't eat a T-Rex, why would you eat a chicken? Something like that. And everyone's response is, like, I would absolutely eat a (laughs) T-Rex. This was the absolute worst way you could have done this. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, honestly, like, I'd be curious, too. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, it cracks me up. Oh, my God. That's funny. (laughs) Oh, Anywho, all right. Yeah. So that is oh, the. Oh, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. So last thing is like also, and so one thing that's becoming popular in the fish trade is sea jellies, and um, these are uh, one of the species you can have. Okay. Yeah. But I feel like the only point of having a jellyfish situation is that you can sit there and just like zone out as they move. Yes. Have you ever watched? So rela- yes, yes. At birch, I just like stare at them. I'm like, I'll just <laughs> pop up a chair and just chill here. <laughs> That'd be great for meditation. Yep. But anyway, um, but I don't feel like they would move as gracefully <laughs> as the other ones, being the chonkers that they are. <laughs> so I don't think that would have... I feel like that's the only appeal of having jellies, is just, like, sit there and watch them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And be very smooth and mm-hmm. meditative. Anyway. Yep. All right. Well, this category was created because of my mess up. <laughs> so, Explain your dung goofery. Okay. In case you didn't hear those episodes, um, we were in the Pacific Ocean last month, and I think it was like mammal native to the Pacific Ocean, yeah. something like that. And I was like, okay, what countries like border the Pacific Ocean, which we do, right? So I was like, oh, I've always, I really like manatees in Florida. But didn't think about the fact that the Florida is not on the West Coast and is on the East Coast because apparently it doesn't count. And the only thing that matters in the U.S. is on the West Coast, which, true. Anyway, but, um, so yeah, so they're, they're not the Pacific Ocean. They are the Atlantic Ocean. So I was like, oopsie doopsies. I'll just have to do it next month. <laughs> so anyway. All right. So I have chosen, of course, the West Indian manatee. Um, and their scientific name is Trike. I'm going with that. Manatus. I like manatus. That part's cool. Anyway, this species is found along coastal waters around the eastern and southeastern U.S., around the Caribbean, and range from Mexico down to the coast of north northern Brazil. Good lord, man. Let's do I'm that sorry. again. <laughs> I, I knew what was coming, so I had to be prepared. <laughs> okay, anyway. The species... Oh, <laughs> I see the panic. Okay. <laughs> anyway. All right. Anyway. Take two. 
The species is found along coastal waters around the eastern and southeastern U.S., around the Caribbean, and range from Mexico down to the coast of northern Brazil. Also, quick rabbit trail, because, hello, that's what we do. You know how there's always the questions of, like, how you pronounce things? Uh-huh. So, Caribbean is one of the main ones, like Caribbean or Caribbean, right? So It depends I, whether you're not talking about the movie Pirates. Exactly. So, I'll always say Caribbean. <laughs> so, with that one, like, most things, like, you know, you say, like, tomato or tomato right if you're british or something weird anyway Mm -hmm. but like caribbean i always say caribbean unless it's parts the caribbean (laughs) that is the only time it is caribbean i never say caribbean no everything is caribbean anyway it's weird there are other examples i can't think of right now but anyway i feel like that's the only one where i'm like i do both Anywho, all right. So they can live up to thirty years in the wild, but have been known to live into the fifty into their fifties and sixties in zoological facilities. Manatees are relatively large, but small in comparison to other marine mammals. Three meters long. Obviously, can't measure that on my little dude. Um, and they weigh three hundred and sixty to five hundred and forty kilograms. They're also quite large. You've you've seen them. They're big. If you've seen them, anyway. Manatees are very unique amongst marine mammals because they are among just two of four marine mugs that are herbivorous, the other being the dugong and the other two manatees. One of the reasons for there being so few herbivorous marine mammals is that plants like seagrasses and algae that are large enough to sustain marine mammals must get exposed to light to photosynthesize. This means that these plants must be in shallow enough water to get exposed to sunlight, with much of the ocean being deep, there is little area for plants to grow, and this lack of resources is one of the main reasons that there are few herbivorous marine mammals. All the world's herbivorous marine mammals belong to the same order, Serenia is what I'm saying. That which, is correct. Yay me! <laughs> which actually comes from the word siren, which in Greek mythology is a sea creature whose beautiful songs lure sailors to shipwrecks. Now I just imagine them as basically being mermaids. <laughs> anyway, okay. This herbivorous lifestyle is, in fact, how the manatees get its other common name, the sea cow. Just like the herbivores on land, the manatee does not have a very nutritious diet, so it must eat a lot of food and can consume up to 15% of its body weight in food every day and will spend five to eight hours feeding. They may not have digits like we do, but the manatee can use their flippers to dig up plants that are rooted in the ground. They also have a flexible upper lip that is split, which allows them to manipulate and pass food into their mouth. The time they don't spend eating, they will spend sleeping, as they will sleep 10 to 12 hours a day. The manatee is actually able to pass between freshwater and saltwater, but they prefer to live in freshwater environments. What was that term called that I didn't know the name of? You're a hailing. Not, that's it. Anyway, you may have wondered how, with it being such a slow-moving animal, why does something prey on it? That is because they don't need to be fast because they have no natural predators. The West Indian manatee is currently listed as vulnerable, with their population declining. One of the most significant threats manatees face is anthropogenic... Nope. Yep. Yeah. That was right. That's I it right. The first That's time. the word. <laughs> Don't second guess myself. I had it. Anthropogenic threats, such as collisions with watercraft, which account for half of adult mortality. They are also losing warm water spring habitat and seagrass beds. Yeah, I think it was last year or the year before they had a massive die-off because there mm-hmm. wasn't enough food. Anyway, so there you go. The West Indian manatee. The point of this category, because I done messed up last month. Anywho, there we go. So those are our mm. our favorite marine animals not already covered on the podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to bring us to our animal of the week. 
And our animal of the week this week is... The Iberian ribbed newt. The Iberian ribbed newt. I have no idea what that is, so Casey, tell us. You guys are in the order Uridella, and they're in the family Salamandridae. Oh, okay. And their scientific name is Pleurodelis wattle. Wattle? Wattle. That sounds like a waffle. <laughs> yeah, it got so. I'm of sorry. Sense. These are not cute. Okay, anyway. <laughs> they, they're cute on. in their own way. Okay. Don't judge them. But um, as you may have guessed, this species of newt is found on the Iberian Peninsula. But to be more specific, it is endemic to the central and southern regions of the peninsula and Morocco. They prefer to live in still bodies of water with little to no current. They average around 7 to 10 years. And it is the largest newt native to Europe, measuring in from 17 to 23 centimeters long. I love that you said largest, so I went big, and then, <laughs> nope, 17 to 20? 23. 23. So, nine inches max. Mm -hmm. Europe doesn't have very big newts. Nope. This species' newts are opportunistic feeders and will feed on a variety of invertebrates and small fish. In zoological facilities, they have been known to feed on things such as shrimp pellets, earthworms, turtle food, as well as slugs and insects. Okay. The Iberian rib newt has a somewhat flattened body with a large head, and their eyes are located right on top of their head. These newts live in very dry, arid regions and live their lives almost entirely aquatic lifestyle, but there will be times when their bodies of water dry up. In instances where this happens, they will seek shelter underneath rocks or in crevices to help them stay moist. This is where that flattened body comes in handy, as it allows them to more easily slip under rock where moisture may still be retained even during dry spells. Due to where they live being susceptible to drying up, they also have granular skin which helps them to conserve water and avoid drying out. Due to the fact that this species lives with where there are seasonal droughts, their breeding season usually coincides with a wet period. Like other, other amphibians, they are dependent upon the water to survive. These newts will breed in the water and have a bit more complex mating system than many other amphibians. Most amphibians just release the eggs and sperm into the water at the same time during breeding for fertilization, but the Iberian newt has a different method. During mating, the male will release a structure called a spermatophore, which is a sperm mass held together by proteins, which will then get absorbed by the female's cloaca. Don't like it. Anyway, continue on. I know we've talked about it before, though. Oh, the cloaca? Well, the <laughs> spermatophore. I remember spermatophore. Oh, uh, okay. Also cloaca, but... Yeah. This makes this species unique as it is among the few amphibians that utilizes internal fertilization during breeding rather than external. After a couple of days, the eggs are released, usually in small groups of up to 20, and will do this multiple times, laying hundreds of eggs over the course of three days. The larvae will typically undergo metamorphosis and become adults, newts, after about three or four months. However, this unique form of reproduction is the, not the only thing peculiar about this species of newt because it has a defense me mechanism that seems like it would come out of a horror movie. Oh, boy. Okay. Yep. These newts have tubercles running down each side of their body, and when it feels threatened, it will actually start to suck in the sides of its skin on its body. Then... Through these tubercles, the newt's sharp ribs puncture through its skin. Oh, my God. And while this is happening, it also secretes poison from special glands in its body. 
<laughs> These glands cover the newt's exposed ribs and will help sting the poison into the mouth of whatever predator may be biting it. Oh my god, it's like Wolverine? Yep. Okay. This sting will hopefully cause the predator to release the newt to try to find a different meal, and after the encounter, the newt's pierced skin regrows quickly and does this without getting an infection. Ugh. Is this, are these little ribby things you're talking about? Mm -hmm. Yes, those are the tubercles. Okay. This one's actually cuter than the other pictures. <laughs> it looks like a little snake or like alligator. One picture looked kind of like an alligator, but yeah. with a short snout. Anyway, that's slightly horrifying. It's cool. I feel like that should be a post-somatic coloration <laughs> right there because it's bright and it's going to be your stabby ribs. <laughs> So the Iberian rib newt is currently listed as near threatened by the IUCN redlist and its population is in decline. This species is mainly threatened by loss of its aquatic habitat through drainage, agrochemical pollution, and industrial contamination. It is also under threat from introduced species such as largemouth bass and crayfish that are known to feed on their eggs and larvae. This species is found in multiple protected areas in Spain and Portugal, and in Spain, captive breeding programs and habitat restoration projects are in place in some regions to help protect the species. Okay, that's good. Mm -hmm. I can't hear Spain without thinking about the orcas that are sinking ships over there. <laughs> anyway, um, I mean, I don't really like orcas that much, but like, I also feel like, all right, that's fair. Mm. Anyway, um, okay, so, hey, Casey. Yes, Allie? What are amphibians' favorite subatomic sub particles? Favorite? Okay, hold on. Mm -hmm. Amphibians' favorite subatomic particles? Yes. Neutrons, protons, electrons? I don't know. This should have been so easy. Wait, hold on. Just pick one. Protons? Neutrons. Neutrons? <laughs> we just talked Neutrons, about my gosh. <laughs> Okay. I was just like, oh, you got it. But then you kept going. I'm like, oh, no, he doesn't have it. Uh, anyway, their favorite subatomic particles are neutrons. See, neutrons. my brain was going further down the rabbit hole and thinking of like quartz, neutrinos. No. Like, also, <laughs> neutrinos. Fun fact I obviously learned about that like in middle school or whatever, right? And it's like, oh, and I was like, oh, neutrons. I'm like, that's been a long time. Parts of an atom or some shit, right? Anyway, so I'm looking it up. It's like, yes, it's made up of quarks. And I'm like, well, I don't remember anything about quarks. You did? No, I just remember like <laughs> neutrons, protons, you know, nuclei, all that kind of stuff. Do you remember learning about antimatter? Not that much. Okay. I remember like it being a small snippet of something, but I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't remember Quark. Also, Quark makes me think of Star Trek because Deep Space Nine and the character Quark is awesome. <laughs> anyway, um, so oh my god. Anyway, I am a crazy person, but anywho, yeah, neutrons. That's their favorite. Okay. Also, I was thinking of Jimmy Neutron from the show when I was a kid. I never actually watched that, but. Oh, yeah. I know a lot of people did. Mm -hmm. Anyway, all right. Well, <laughs> that brings us to our challenge, and it is Casey's turn. So, who knows? What are we doing today? We're doing a round of Leopardy. Leopardy. It is our final Leopardy of the show. The okay. show? The podcast. And um, well, I usually do 10 or 15 minutes. I can't remember. Oh, no. Let's say 15. Okay. I don't remember. I think it's 15. Um, if you have not listened to Leopardy before, it is our sort of Jeopardy type of thing, but not really following Jeopardy rules, like, pretty much at all. So it's just sort of kind of like Jeopardy. Mm -hmm. But Leopardy, obviously, is an animal, so there you go. It's punny. Yeah, it's punny because it's my favorite. Mm -hmm. Anyway, 
you are so lucky I have not been sending you more puns. I keep seeing mm-hmm. better ones, and I'm like, oh, my God, I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. All right. So it go. we know the rules. The prizes go from 100 to 500, and there yep. are four categories. Okay. First one is Allie Said That. Oh, boy. Okay. And then Wild Wonders. Okay. Oh, no. I'm going to have to nail their names. Allie's Failures Return. Oh, no. I'm going to keep failing that. Enti- I bet you I will get one right on that entire set. Also, first of all, Allie said that. I feel like you're saying that I said something really stupid. No. It's okay. just animals that y- were your picks. Okay. Okay. I'm just like, I feel like you're going to be like, I can't believe she said that. No. Anyway. Okay. Continue on. And cute, but not cuddly. Okay. Okay. So are you ready to begin? Um, yeah. Let's just go in order. Okay. So, yeah. All right, Ali said that for 100. First question, what is the scientific name of the secretary bird? Sagittarius serpentarius. Thank goodness. <laughs> My favorite ever. <laughs> okay, one of your first picks was an okapi. What is the name for how it walks? Pacing gate. There we go. Now, what lizard species has a membrane allowing it to achieve a pathetic glide across trees? A pathetic lie? Glide. Glide. Okay, I was like, what? Um, <coughs> oh, God. Um, was it the Agama? Well, it was one that I picked, right? Yeah, so it wasn't yours. So nope. I'm thinking it's the red-headed Rakagama. Right? Is that the only one I did that glides? Oh, did it glide? I don't know if that glides. No, it's not that. I'm sorry. I lied to you. It's a Draco lizard. It's because it's an thank- Agama. It's because it's an Agama. <laughs> yeah, but thank goodness. <laughs> okay, Draco lizard. Sorry. Okay. One of the potential reasons for panda's taste for bamboo is their inability to taste what? Think of flavors. I don't remember that. I love the first thing that pops my mind was vanilla. <laughs> that is not it. Um, I don't remember that. I chose panda. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. That was probably the one that gets like too much attention or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't taste what. This is why they eat bamboo. Mm-hmm. Potential reason. I do not know what they cannot taste. This is stupid. Think I'm gonna say the- they can't. What? Okay, yeah. Think of like the five main, the yeah, five ish. Okay. I mean, main I was, taste. I was gonna say meat if we're talking like textury stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna go with meat because I don't, I don't know, I have no idea. Not technically correct. Okay. <laughs> okay, so um, the western fence lizard is a helpful species as its presence helps prevent the spread of what disease? Lyme disease. There we go. Yep. <laughs> All right. Now, wild wonders. Okay. Oh boy. So, first question: What is first animal that from Wild Wonders that we talked about on the Animal Addicts? Oh, podcast? that's very difficult. You have a lot of animals. I know you have kinkajous, and we talked about them, but they're pretty recent. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about a snapping turtle. We haven't talked about those. Mm. <laughs> I don't know the order, man. I have to like try to go through all of our animals and remember. I'm going to say fennec fox, because that was pretty early. That is not correct. Okay. What is the only bird from Wild Wonders that we have talked about? Oh, boy. We talked about so many birds on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, as an animal of the week, or just at all, period? At all, period. Oh, Jesus. Including bonuses. Oh, my God. Ah! That's so many birds. Yeah, I'm evil. You said including bonuses, which makes me think it's a bonus bird. Mm-hmm. But now, I don't know why the only one I can think of is the cuckoo. The common cuckoo. Um, but I don't know what else that you have. 
We've talked about so many birds, mm-hmm. even as those. It's not a flamingo. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, oh, God. How many what bonus birds have we talked about that you probably have? That was a main one. That's not a bonus. I'm going to say a kookaburra. I don't know. You're right, actually. It was a a laughing kookaburra. Yay! Okay. What is the name of the kinkajou that did the voice for Kima? Yep. Because it's Lady Kima from Critical Role, even though she was named before that. But it's okay. (laughs) What was the first reptile from Wild Wonders that we talked about on the podcast? Oh no, I don't know. Um, you don't have an anaconda. Nope. <laughs> and we're talking animals of the week again, or any animal? I'm talking animals of the week. Okay, okay. Um, I don't think you guys have a heel monster. Um, oh my god, this can take me forever to try to get through all of our reptiles, dude. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Ow, I can't say my that. Um, you have alligators, but I don't know what yeah. kind of alligators there are. I'm gonna say a Chinese alligator. That is not correct. Okay. The last one. So one of my favorite animals in general, as well as that I work with, is the binturong. Name one of the ones that I work with. <laughs> popcorn <laughs> popcorn <laughs> um oh you've said their names yes I have <sighs> and we have passed the not 10 minute mark oh god and we've only gotten to second category mm-hmm. oh shit um I'm going with popcorn because I can't remember so I know okay. it's not right but I don't remember their names alright <laughs> All right. Ali's failures return for 100 what Australia. What is Australia's only endemic crocodile species? Um, I think it's the freshwater crocodile. That is correct. Okay, yay. Some animals we have talked about don't ovulate until mating. What is this called? <sighs> Delayed something. That is not correct. Okay, great. Move on. <laughs> <sighs> Kingfishers have what on their eyes that provides them with protection while diving? I don't remember the name of it. It's that little, like, membrane that Mm -hmm. closes. I don't know the name of it, though. I'm not going to remember the name of it. Move on. Okay. (laughs) It's a membrane that closes (laughs) over it. I don't know what it's called. Okay, so this refers to when an animal can lay unfertilized eggs that still develop into offspring. It's not parthenogenesis or whatever. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna go with that because I don't. I don't know, and we don't have time. That is correct. Oh yay! Is All it right. parthenogenesis or parthenogenesis? Parthenogenesis. Parthenogenesis. Okay. Yes. All right. For five hundred, pangolins lack teeth. So what do they use to scrape ants and termites off their tongue with? Oh god, we've done this before. Yes, we have. I don't remember. That's the point of the category. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh um moving on i don't remember <laughs> okay all right cute but not cuddly for 100 okay the platypus males in particular are dangerous due to what characteristic 
that is not found on the females. They have spurs that have venom. Yes, that is correct. Yep. What beautiful cephalopod is more venomous than any other? Not only is it bite, but also its skin. Cephalopod. Yes. Cephalopod. Are those the, like, um, jellyfish and such? Not jellyfish. Not I jelly. mean the squid and stuff? Yes. The octopus, those guys. Oh, I don't remember, dude. Um, I It's going to be wrong, but I'm going to say the Portuguese man of war. That is not it. Okay. Also not a cephalopod. I was going to say, I don't think that's a cephalopod. <laughs> I guess that weird, it has its own thing. Anyway. All right. What cute venomous mammal Oh, my has... God. It's a fucking blue-ringed octopus. It is not. Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> what venomous mammal name translates to clown? Something horrible because it has clown in its <laughs> name. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, we have talked about that. A venomous mammal? Yes. Oh, God. So there's very... I know. There's very few of them. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to say it's the pygmy loris, the slow loris. That is correct. Yay. Great. Now, what little bird possesses poison that it advertises with its distinct orange colors? I don't think he's poisonous, so I'm going to go with the hooded patooey. That is correct. Yay. And final question. Which cute and seemingly playful South American mammal is actually the top predator of the Amazon and can take down a caiman? Cute and playful. Oh. Are they cute? <laughs> I, I think it's probably I think it's the giant river otter. That is correct. I mean otters are cute. Those are a little bit horrible. They are cute. <laughs> In my opinion, they're cute. How did I do? All right, let's add up. You did. Oh, good. I still have more time. Yes. Oh, I was trying to skip through because I was like, oh shit, I don't have time. I mean, I wasn't gonna get them anyway. So. <laughs> okay, let me add up your total. Okay. You got thirty-four hundred. Okay, I should probably write that down. <laughs> All right. Okay, so we'll go through them. First category, Ali said that. First one was what his scientific name is, Secretary Bird. You got that right, correct, Sagittarius Serpentarius. Anyone who listens to this podcast, you have to know what the scientific name for Secretary Bird is because it is the best ever. <gasps> and what is the gate of an okapi? It's called a pacing gate. That is also the same gate as a giraffe or a camel. Yep. The lizard species that has a membrane allowing it to achieve a pathetic glide across the trees is the Draco lizard. I don't like the way you say pathetic. <laughs> They crash, okay? Okay. <laughs> now, one potential reason for pandas' taste for bamboo is their inability to taste what? That is umami. Oh, yeah, no. I wasn't going to get that one. Okay. Right. And the western fence lizard is helpful because its presence helps to prevent the spread of Lyme disease because it has protein that breaks down a certain bacteria. Woohoo! See? I learned things. Yep. Now... Wild Wonders, the first animal from Wild Wonders that we talked about was actually on our pilot episode. It was the Kowati. Um, yeah, yeah. Should have gone all the way back there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the only bird from Wild Wonders that we've talked about is the laughing kookaburra. Woohoo! I was, I was thinking that might have been too easy because we literally have like three birds. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right. And the kangaroo who, who did the voice of Baby Yoda, that is Kima. By the way. So the how, with the exception of one, our King of Jews got their name is because they're different combinations of their parents. Oh, weird. Okay. <laughs> the one exception is Forrest. What are the parents' names then? So we had Maya and Kiki. 
Okay. Okay, there's the M. Yep. <laughs> I was like, mm, okay, there we go. Okay. Yep. Now, what was the first reptile from Wild Wonders that we talked about that was the Sheltopusik? I do not remember you guys having that. Yep, we have a Legolas lizard. What? Yep. <sighs> Sad times. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite animals in general is the Bintrong, as well as one of my favorites to work with. The names of the ones that I work with are Shiva, no. Buddha, no. Inda, nope. Saba, and Wolfman. Nope, I wouldn't have gotten any of those. <laughs> Wolfman is the best name, though, of those, even though it's a bear cat, not a wolf, but that's okay. Yes, Wolfie. <laughs> Now, what is Australia's only endemic crocodile species? You got that correct. It was the freshwater crocodile. Where do the uh, saltwaters go besides? So they technically go across um, neighboring islands. Okay. And uh, Papua New Guinea because they can go across saltwater. Right. Okay. Yes. And some animals we've talked about that don't ovulate until mating. That is called induced ovulation. Dang it. Okay. Yep. And the membrane that animals like kingfishers as well as crocodiles have that protects their eyes while diving is called a nictitating membrane. Nope, not going to remember that one. <laughs> and the fur- word that refers to when an animal can lay unfertilized eggs that still develop into offspring of parthenogenesis. And pangolins lack teeth, so what do they use to scrape ants and termites off their tongue with? That would be their hyoid bone. Yeah, no, was never going to get that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And you did best on the cute and cuddly category. Platypus males are what's particularly dangerous because they have venomous spurs on their back legs. And a beautiful cephalopod that is more venomous than any other, but, uh, not only its bite, but also its skin, is the flamboyant cuttlefish. It was the cuttlefish? Okay. Mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking they were a cephalopod. Yep, they were a cephalopod. Okay. And the venomous mammal whose name translates to clown, that would be the loris. Okay. And the little bird that possesses venom and advertises it with distinct orange colors is the hooded pitoui. And the seemingly cute animal that lives in South America that is top predator is the giant river otter. <laughs> in my opinion, they're cute. They're cute, but it's like, if they're not near you. <laughs> I'm like, you're too big. You're too big and you're too tough. I just you're I mean your face is adorable, but like horrifying. Uh. Horrifying. Anyway. Alright, well that wasn't I mean I did better than half. Mm-hmm. Barely. But I did better. And most of the things I didn't get, I there was no way I was ever gonna get them. So and I knew Parthenogenesis, even though I didn't actually realize that's what that was. <laughs> I just knew it had to do with non like sexual yep. <laughs> reproduction. Anyway, see, I learned things. Yes, you did. Except for the hyoid bone. Hyoid. Hyoid bone. Switching those vowels. Anyway, those obviously I don't right know. Right here. That's right. That's weird. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that is going to bring us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we're your host, Allie. And Casey. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Animal Addicts Podcast. <laughs>